right, here's a quick puzzler for you. Over the last 10 years, what two forces have changed the patterns of human social behavior more than anything else? I'm talking about the ways we interact, the ways we meet new people, the ways we look for love or relationships. And you probably see what I'm driving at. Technology being the first major factor that's come to reshape human interaction. Certainly social media, but specifically dating apps, have swung from a novelty to a part of everyday life for many relationship and company seekers. According to Pew, 30% of U.S. adults report that they've ever used a dating app, but more than 50% of those under the age of 30 have dipped a toe in the online dating pool. That's an exponential increase from the pre-smartphone era. We have 15% of our logins that occur on a mobile device. A year ago, that was virtually nothing. Last year, online dating companies generated nearly $5 billion in revenue. But then, of course, the other recent cataclysmic shift in the way we interact with other human beings was the COVID-19 pandemic, which just three years ago had much of the world gripped in ironclad lockdowns. Non-essential businesses such as gyms and bars have closed as restaurants offer only takeout and delivery service. And when the unstoppable force of online dating met the immovable object of global pandemic social distancing, there was no roadmap for what would come next. We had no idea how this is going to impact online dating when we were forced to go home and not leave our home. So how are people going out and continuing to date? Michael Kay is the director of brand communications for the online dating app OkCupid. And in the early days of the COVID lockdown, before any of us really knew what the heck was going on, he and his team faced decisions that weighed on no less than the continued existence of the company. After all, what is a stay-at-home order if not an existential threat to a company whose customers want to get matched up with new people to meet and date? Facing this and other previously unthinkable realities in 2020, Michael and his team made the bold decision to retool their messaging and indeed their core operating strategies to embrace social responsibility over conventional profit. A calculated risk that panned out in the long run, proving that even in the midst of global crisis, love does find a way. Can I hug you goodbye? Is that ethical for us to do? I'm Dusty Weiss. From PodCamp Media, this is Lead Balloon a podcast about compelling tales from the world of PR, marketing, and branding told by the well-meaning communications professionals who lived them. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to follow this show in Apple Podcasts or whatever your app of preference is as we tell a new story each month about strategic communicators facing down long odds and usually coming out on top. The business of online dating is one that is rapidly evolving as are the attitudes about it. It feels like it was back in the Stone Age, but when I was still in the dating pool, before I met my wife 10 years ago, is right when I'd say that we were reaching a social tipping point. Prior to that, I'd say that there was still kind of a general stigma against finding love online, and most people preferred the old-fashioned way. But in fact, the dating app OkCupid has been around for almost 20 years. Originally launched as a website by a group of former Harvard students in 2004, the dating service entered the mainstream right as smartphones were really taken off, gaining popularity as one of the only dating services at the time that didn't charge users a fee. 
OkCupid was acquired in 2011 by the Match.com division of the massive $12 billion media conglomerate IAC, which also launched the dating app Tinder a year later as part of IAC's startup incubator. IAC would continue to bring other dating apps under the umbrella, including Bumble, Hinge, Plenty of Fish, and many more, until Match Group's spin-off as an independent company in 2020. And through those years of corporate restructuring and strategic tilting, OkCupid's Director of Brand and Communications, Michael Kay, says the app retained its niche of using survey questions to connect singles based on shared interests and personality traits rather than just users' profile pictures. We're the only dating app in the world that matches you on what matters to you through in-app questions, and we have thousands of them. They cover everything related to dating relationships and sex, but also everything that's top of mind for Gen Z and millennial daters from climate change to reproductive health care to racial justice, marriage equality, gun control. You name it, we're asking about it. Michael joined OkCupid as a public relations manager in 2019 after running up an impressive collection of blots on his New York agency bingo card, having spent time at Edelman, Weber Shandwick, and Ruder Finn, to name a few. And he says that, as a professional storyteller, OkCupid's trove of user survey data provides him with opportunities that he wouldn't get working at any other dating app. That keeps things really exciting because one day I might have a really unique story for Cosmopolitan and the other day I'm going to have a really compelling story for the Washington Post. So it's never dull, it's never boring, and it's never the same story and that keeps it really fresh and exciting. Well, and especially in the world of strategic communication, I mean, these last 10 years especially, the emphasis has been on give us the data. What's the data? We need to look over the data and let the data drive the decisions. Who is your target demographic at OkCupid? And how does that stack up to some of the other apps that are out there, some of which, I should mention, are owned by your parent company, Match? Yeah, so on OkCupid, from an age perspective, our largest demographic are millennials, followed by Gen X and Gen Z, but overwhelmingly, most of our users are millennials. Where we differ from our competitors is that if you're on OkCupid, you're probably more intentional with how you're dating. We, full transparency, are just not going to be the app that people think of when they want a quick hookup. And that's okay. But we make you do a lot of work when you're creating a profile on OkCupid. There's a lot of steps to take. And honestly, that's by design because we want to bring in a higher intent dater. We want to bring in users who take dating a little bit more seriously. So our biggest differentiator in terms of the people who are on our app are probably people who are looking for a longer term, more meaningful relationship, probably not their first foray into dating apps. They've probably tested out a couple and then landed on OkCupid when they're ready to settle down. But that's really our target and and that's who we're always speaking to. Learning how to speak with that very specific audience was just one of the challenges Michael faced as the calendar flipped from 2019 to 2020. I was not even a year into OkCupid yet, and I already had a lot of firsts under my belt. So I had never been in-house. This was the first time I was in-house. This was the first time I worked at a dating app. This is the first time I worked for a tech brand. And this was the first time I was in a global role. So one of the first things I did at OkCupid in my first six months was 
expand the brand internationally, launch us in Australia and Germany and Israel, the United Kingdom, Turkey, and then came March 2020. Like a lot of us, for Michael, the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic wasn't exactly something to which he was paying close attention. That is, until it landed right in the middle of his world. I don't think I was hearing the name coronavirus, but I did hear rumblings about a virus that was spreading pretty quickly. I did not think anything of it. I was still going out business as usual in February. And then it started to get a little bit more serious at the way beginning of March. And I remember at that time, there was a lot of conversations about having to wash your hands. Right. <laughs> and it's so kind of ridiculous to think back of now that like our concern was like, oh, get to the office and immediately wash your hands and you're golden. Right, right. There was this wonderful naivety where nobody really knew what we were getting into. And I think a lot of people shared the same experience that you did because we do. We remember this period there when there was sort of this like background chatter almost about, you know, COVID, this virus that's over in Asia. But at what point did you realize then that it was going to radically change the way that your company did business? Probably the last week we were in the office. At that point, there was a lot more panic than there had been in the previous weeks. So I remember that Monday, everyone came into the office. By Tuesday, we dropped to half. By Wednesday, we were down to a handful. And Thursday, it was only myself and a colleague from my team. Oh, wow. In the office. And I remember I had been planning my first press event for OKCupid in a couple of weeks. And I remember taking a couple of items from my desk and I was going to work from home the next day, which was a Friday. And I remember looking at my coworker and saying, well, I guess we'll see you at the event. I assume we'll just take a lift there since we're not going to be coming from the office. And she was like, great, see you then. So like even leaving my office to go work remotely, I still did not think it was going to impact this event that was happening at the end of the month. It still wasn't that serious to me. And we thought it'll be a few days, it'll be a few weeks, yeah. it'll be over. But from a strategic perspective, at what point did you and your team then huddle together and decide, all right, we need to come up with a new strategy. This is something that is going to impact the world of dating. It's going to impact our customers and we need to build a plan for this. Yeah, well, we luckily are a very data-driven brand, so we're always looking at the numbers. We're always analyzing insights on user behavior. So we were monitoring how our users were behaving every single day, regardless of the pandemic. And there was definitely a period where we thought there's not much happening. We really don't understand if there's going to be a slowdown in new users if people are going to delete their dating apps, if they're going to be so panicked that they are just not going to be active, how do I navigate a future that's so uncertain? I mean, we had no idea how this is going to impact online dating when we were forced to go home and, and not leave our home. So how are people going out and continuing to date? But as much as Michael and the team at OKCupid felt like they were in uncharted territory, 
Their users, the people trying to meet new people and date and fall in love during the early months of COVID, were completely lost. Lauren Steins was 26 in March of 2020. She had just moved to Portland, Oregon from her home state of Iowa a couple years prior. I was just starting to feel like, okay, I have a good group of friends. I'm settled into the house and with the roommates that I live with. And then, like it did for many people, everything changed. Everything got snatched away from you, essentially. Yeah, Yeah, pulled out from under me. Sounds like you had roommates, which I can imagine helped with sort of the social isolation of those early COVID years. So tell me, I guess, how your experience using OkCupid changed from that sort of early phase when you were in it to then once the lockdowns began. I have used OkCupid in the past and met a couple people off of it before. And I had a, a brief relationship through the winter that ended and we decided to be friends. And I was using OkCupid to get back into dating. And then I personally and the roommates I lived with had a more conservative stance on COVID as it relates to, we don't know what's going down. So let's close our social borders, if you will, and focus more on being a maintained unit. And so what shifted for me was like, oh, I can't really date anymore. I can't use this platform to the same degree. So a lot of my activity on there, if there was any, was turning down dates and telling people that I couldn't see them anymore and that if they didn't know already that there's a global pandemic happening. (laughs) But there was one person in her OkCupid app who she couldn't quite bring herself to quit cold turkey. And so Lauren agreed to one date with him on March 11th, 2020. Now, you might not recognize that date, but that's the day when the World Health Organization officially declared a global pandemic. Dr. Anthony Fauci discussed the growing American caseload before Congress. Is the worst yet to come, Dr. Fauci? Yes, it is. Tom Hanks announced on Instagram that he had COVID, and the NBA canceled games while players were on the court warming up. We're we're, we're not really sure here, folks. We're going to get some information for you. Head coaches have gone back. And you see the teams heading back to the locker room. And then suspended the rest of its season later that evening. This is the last night of NBA games for the foreseeable future. Then it became very real. And how that impacted the relationship was we had a very, like, question mark moment after that first date. He tells it how he received a a message from me saying, hey, have you heard? (laughs) This this seems actually kind of real and kind of serious. I don't know if I can keep dating because I had, you know, three roommates to consider. One that was like having their worst nightmare come to fruition and um, trying to be mindful of that while keeping us all sane so we didn't have a, a major downfall in my living situation. Right. It sounds like your roommates and you sort of arrived at, I guess we called it bubbles at the time. Yeah. Sort of a bubble pact going on where you were going to be the only people you all saw. Yeah. How did your significant other take the news that, you know, we've got a thing going, it's maybe kind of working, but we've got to put the brakes on for a minute. I mean, he's really nice and really flexible. And the intention of our relationship starting out was to keep it casual and anyway. But I I think the pandemic maybe adjusted that for us. How he tells it, he was hanging out with a friend when he received the message. And he said that 
He was starting to feel excited about us after that first date and turned to his friend and was like, I don't think I'm going to see this girl ever again. I don't think it's going to happen. So coming up after the break, a surprising trend puts OkCupid in a position to thrive. If they can only harness the power of the data at their fingertips and get their users to do the right thing. We don't want to encourage anyone to meet up, but we did encourage them to match. Plus, can Lauren Steins find love in the time of Corona? Emphasis on the try. We tried to keep a six foot distance, but there was a lot of chemistry, so that became difficult. That's all coming up in a minute here on Wet Balloon. This is Lead Balloon, and I'm Dusty Weiss. It was spring of 2020, and most of us were becoming familiar with social distancing, a term I would personally come to loathe even as I recognized the necessity and importance. As the weeks dragged on, the stir-crazy really began to set in. I think we all have memories of the healthy or maybe not so healthy ways that we dealt with it. What are you helping daddy do? Mix drink. That's right. Welcome to another COVID cocktail hour. That's my boy coming to you from the bunker. But for single people, especially those living alone, the isolation was particularly acute. Jake Sandvik is another person who found himself on the OkCupid app in the early months of the pandemic. You really couldn't be physical, you know, three years ago when the death virus was going around. People were alone. Before I moved back with my parents, I was living in my apartment like about an hour and 15 minutes away and my roommates had moved out and I was by myself and I hadn't had like a conversation with someone other than at the store in like a span of two or three weeks. So when I went back and I moved in with my parents, it was just my parents I was talking to and I was like, I I need to find someone. I just want to make sure that they're breathing and that's all I care about. So Jake logged in and created an account on the dating app OkCupid. It wasn't his first account or his first foray into online dating. I was on online dating for 10 plus years. (laughs) Oh my gosh, really? Yes, I've been on and off, you know, OkCupid. I probably had made 10, 15 profiles because, you know, I I was like, I'm never going to find anyone. Then I delete it. Then you have to go on there and answer all the questions again. But with time on his hands and nowhere in particular to go, Jake says he was able to get intentional about his dating. Confined to his parents' place in northern Ohio in the midst of COVID lockdowns, suddenly it didn't matter so much whether the people with whom he matched were local or not. And so he began chatting with a young woman in Norway with whom he shared a number of interests. I remember the first message. I was like, hey, I'm Jake. I saw that you like fitness and movies and music. I do too. Do you want to chat? And she just said, yeah, I I do. And we just took it from there. And a lot of times on dating sites, you see people just say, yeah, okay, haha, that's funny. But with her, it was paragraphs. Or if it wasn't a paragraph, it was like she was thinking about the message that she was writing and I was doing that too and as corny as it sounds that's how I knew that I was in love and two weeks after I started talking to her I asked her to be in a long distance relationship and she said yes. Would you have considered dating someone long distance at a time when there wasn't a global pandemic going on? There were times when you feel really lonely. I was more open to it, but then some days it was just kind of, no, I want to date someone at least in Ohio or Southern Michigan, but 
yeah, I think COVID really helped push that along. Jake and Nicole dated for two years during the pandemic without ever getting to meet in person. He went to visit her for the first time in spring of 2022, popped the question a week later, and they were married that summer. A life turn he said would never have happened if not for the COVID lockdowns and the OkCupid app. Here we are three years later and I'm living in Norway and I'm taking a Norwegian class. This is the happiest I've ever been. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. I'm so stoked for you guys. Thank you very much. But Jake and Nicole's story is not atypical, according to Michael Kay, the director of brand and communications at OkCupid. In fact, as Michael was adjusting to his work-from-home arrangement, fretting over the heavy New York caseloads in April of 2020, and worrying over a potential decline in dating app use, he and his team were shocked to discover an inverse trend in OkCupid activity. The numbers started to show huge increases in engagement. So we started to notice that all over the world, matches on OkCupid were increasing 10% and conversations were increasing over 20%. And they sound like low percentages, but they really aren't when you're thinking of the fact that there are millions and millions of people on OkCupid. So once we realized really early on that people are actually still active on our apps and they're more engaged than ever before, we realized that we had to just alter how we were talking to our users. We changed a lot of our language, especially when it came to our CRM efforts. We stopped saying the word meet, for example. We didn't want to encourage anyone to meet up, but we did encourage them to match and we encouraged them to have conversations and stay engaged on the platform. So the first pivot for us was really all around the language and how we were speaking to our users via the app, also on social, and then obviously there were a ton of changes to happen after that. Under Michael and his team's direction, OkCupid urged its users to follow the latest health guidance from experts in the early months of the pandemic. In blog posts and on Twitter, they advocated mask use in public spaces and cutely suggested ideas for virtual dates or socially distanced experiences that users could enjoy together. One tweet from May of that year playfully declared, A lot of OkCupid daters have been moving up the meet the family dinners. Just because when you're quarantined with mom, she has a way of appearing in the back of every Zoom call. But in that highly polarized political atmosphere of 2020, Michael says they realized that coming down strong in favor of public health measures might have upset some folks. It was a no-brainer for us that we wanted to protect our users. So for us, we wanted to make sure that we were really aligned with local governments in certain states, regions, countries, especially how we were talking to them and what action we were encouraging them to take. So for us, it was all about making sure that our users stay safe. And if that meant that they had to stay home and not be going out and meeting with other people on OkCupid, that's what we wanted to encourage. We definitely encouraged them to stay home in the beginning. And then as the pandemic went on, we encouraged them to wear masks, 
get vaccinated, take all those actions that our government was telling us to do as well. What I remember about the pandemic was really just feeling at times like I was getting an information overload. I mean, it seemed like there was new news coming in every hour. When you looked at the the tallies, uh, particularly in places like New York, where I know you're based, the tallies of, of deaths, of cases there, watching those skyrocket in those early weeks, it felt really, really scary, but it also felt like the guidance and our understanding of the virus were evolving day to day because they were, essentially. So we were all getting new information, new best practices every day. How often was your team meeting and how were you making decisions about which of that new data to incorporate into your messaging going out? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we're meeting daily, again, regardless of the pandemic, but we're definitely more closely aligned and in conversation around these really pivotal moments. So spikes during the pandemic, we definitely had a ton more conversations around Black Lives Matter during the pandemic, Stop Asian Hate during the pandemic. So if there's something that's really impacting culture and society, we're obviously even more in lockstep than other moments. But we as a brand were navigating this as best and as quickly as we could. I mean, we were experiencing it just like everyone else. We didn't have a leg up. This was still new for all of us. So just like it was a new concept, at least I think for both of us, this is the first global pandemic I've ever been in, hopefully the last. But this was new for us as a brand as well. So I, I, I truly think like looking back, we were all just doing our best and trying our best. Everyone was telling me to wash my hands. I'm sure OkCupid was too. <laughs> Lauren Steins, the OkCupid user who we met in the first half of the show, doesn't have any specific recollection of seeing messages from the app about its public health recommendations. But in retrospect, she says she's happy to hear how the brand's values align with her own. I do have a sense of respect and appreciation there as someone who wanted and did my best to be conscious of my health and the health of others during COVID. I'm appreciative that they took that stance and they sent that message and gave a platform for some of the people who are feeling isolated at that time that they could still connect with people and make new connections and still in everything feeling kind of upside down, having a sense of normalcy of the familiar app to go visit. You'll recall that Lauren had met a promising match for a first date, but then stepped back in the early days of lockdown. What happened next was we decided to go on a second date and in trying to be pro-social and morally ethical, we decided it was going to be a distance date. So we went on a walk together and tried to keep Emphasis on the try. We tried to keep a six foot distance, but there was a lot of chemistry, so that <laughs> that became difficult. But we did a pretty good job considering. <laughs> I'm gonna um, let the listener's imagination expound upon what that might mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did, it might have impacted. It definitely impacted how the relationship progressed in terms of you know I'm big on consent, but it added a whole other level of consent too of like can i stand next to you can i hug you goodbye is that ethical for us to do and with the crackle of chemistry bridging the six foot social distance between them lauren said she felt empowered to open a discussion with her roommates about allowing each person in the house to add one other person to their bubble we essentially just took the leap like okay if we're gonna keep seeing each other in order to do this in a way that we both feel okay about, 
we're gonna be in a bubble together now, which takes a casual relationship to like, you're one of the only people that I have permission from myself and my household to be in proximity with. And I, do, I don't remember the exact script of it all, but um, remember that conversation of like, should we be in a bubble together? Is this crazy? I just met you, but I really like you. And then, yeah, we went on from there. Around the world, these sorts of COVID romances were playing out in wildly varied sets of circumstances. And in his role at OKCupid, Michael saw more than just an opportunity to use its reach and influence to urge people to do the right thing. He saw an opportunity to tell those stories, leveraging the company's vast trove of anonymous user data. When I joined OKCupid in 2019 and learned more about our questions and the amount of data that we were sitting on, and I looked at different brands in our category with significantly bigger communications and PR teams, I realized early on I need to find a way to stand out. And it's the data. That's what's going to make us stand out from our competitors. Editors, but I need to make sure that I can be the best possible resource to media. And with that comes the need for speed. So I went to our data science team and I asked them to train me on the tools that they're using every day so that when a reporter emails me, within five minutes, I can get them the data they need. I don't have to go to multiple people on different teams and sift through the data. I can do it all myself. And that's been really beneficial. I mean, there have been times where I've had to work on a story in a lift ride on the way to an office, and I'm just able to get it done quickly because I understand how to use these analytic tools. And 2020 was my first full year in the job. And it was also the year with the highest amount of press coverage for OKCupid in its nearly two decades of experience. So I'm proud of how efficiently and effectively we used our ownable data to drive conversations and stand apart from all the competitors in our space, many of whom have a lot bigger teams than we do. We're still a really small company and our marketing team is only five years old. So we're still in our infancy stage where it still feels like a startup, which is kind of odd because we've been around for almost 20 years. But I'm really proud of how fast we worked. And while I'm on this soapbox for a hot second, I will say to anyone listening, you cannot be afraid of numbers. I am the person who was terrified of numbers. I literally changed my major from business to communications because in college, I thought I'm never going to grasp how to use numbers. And it wasn't until OkCupid that I began to understand how you could look for stories within these insights and pull numbers together and build a narrative around it. So today, I get to be the one to pull data. It's an incredible insight, Michael, and thank you for sharing it because I've said it before and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. We live in a world now where it used to be there were five PR people for every reporter. Now it's closer to 10 PR people for every reporter. Newsrooms are wildly understaffed and very often a reporter on deadline is reaching out to multiple sources to get the same piece of information that they need for their narrative. And so if you can be the one to provide it to them first, fastest, 
speed kills. You're going to get the headline. And, and certainly I think you've seen that in the way that you have been able to quick turn stories for OkCupid and get the kind of media placements that brands like yours really hunger for. I'll, I'll say this, a couple of interesting statistics that stick out to me from the pandemic uh, that you got headlines about, that profile mentions of coronavirus increased 2,200% in that first year of the pandemic, that mentions of the word mask on people People's profiles increased by 185% during that year. From November of 2020 to January of 2021, mentions of the word vaccine increased by 137%. And people in the United States who answer yes to the matching question, will you get the COVID-19 vaccine? were receiving 20% more likes and 12% more matches during that time. Now, the numbers themselves are interesting, but from a strategic communication standpoint, I cannot help but notice that you were very deliberate about collating those numbers and then making them public, making them into news. Was this essentially a peer pressure campaign to get people to do the right thing here? Ooh, was it peer pressure? I don't like to say we peer pressure... I do because, Michael, the statistics that I've seen on persuasion, and I saw many of these studies come out during the pandemic, they all incorporated the same wisdom that you're less likely to get people to do what you ask by telling them, hey, do the right thing, than you are by telling them, well, your friends and neighbors are doing this thing, maybe you should too, that that is in fact statistically a much more effective persuasion technique. So I'll ask you again. Was this a well-executed and clever peer pressure campaign, a benign peer pressure campaign? We are very mindful about what we put out there, and we know that we have a very large audience, both on our app and across all our social channels. And for us, it was just a no-brainer that you should be following guidelines for the pandemic. So for us, if a push notification or a social post or an in-app question meant that one extra person would wear a mask or get vaccinated, then we were going to continue doing just that. Again, we all wanted to return to normal as quick as possible. And that meant that we had to make sure all of us were taking the necessary precautions. And then again, we watched the data and the data showed that our users were interested in doing this. I mean, the phrase I'm vaccinated on OkCupid profiles increased over 1400% in May 2021 compared to a few months prior. So this became a trending topic amongst our users. And if it's important to our users, it's absolutely important to us. In that vein, when the COVID vaccines began to roll out early in 2021, Michael made sure that OkCupid was not just messaging its user data about getting the shot, but getting even more deeply involved in the public persuasion campaign. We actually supported the White House's efforts to get more people vaccinated, especially Gen Zers and millennials. And where are those younger audiences? They're on dating apps. So 
we actually added in a new profile badge called the I'm vaccinated profile badge. And if you answer the question, do you want to add a badge to your profile to tell others you've gotten the COVID-19 vaccine, you would then get the I'm vaccinated profile badge. And we would allow you to match with other daters who self-reported that they're vaccinated and as an added incentive, we also gave all those participants a free boost just to help them get seen by even more profiles. And that's another proud moment to hear OKCupid data in a White House press briefing. According to one of the sites, OKCupid, people who display their vaccination status are 14% more likely to get a match. We have finally found the one thing that makes us all more attractive, a vaccination. That was a first in my career, probably a last, but still a fun win. I will say this, Michael. I think that hearing these stories, a lot of PR and marketing professionals are going to be very, very jealous of you and the authority that you get to wield at OKCupid in taking PR and marketing objectives and getting the company to incorporate them in a very quick, very deliberate, very nimble way. I mean, it's incredible that you as now the director of brand, but then your role was uh, more of a public relations role, were able to go to the company and essentially say, hey, we need to incorporate this into our programming. We need to be able to offer this new product to our people and to have the company pivot with you as its axis. That's a pretty rare thing in the world of public relations. Yeah, well, I will say I am blessed to be part of a marketing team that I think is the best in our category. We have a really strong marketing team. My colleague, Jane Reynolds, who is our director of product marketing, has been here for over six years and really is close to the product that we offer to millions of people around the world. So I'm part of a very strong team, which just makes this work that much easier. So certainly it sounds like you were meeting your customers, meeting your users where they were in a lot of these issues and, and again, doing the right thing. But we live in a super polarized society right now, and one needs only Google Bud Light this week to see the evidence of just how much blowback that can create for a brand. Did you experience any blowback from your embrace of coronavirus best practices? And did you have any concerns about either a drop off in dating activity or any animosity that might have been kicked up against the brand during this time? Well, it's ironic that you brought up Bud Light and Dylan because our most recent criticism has been our partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. And for us on that piece alone, I just want to say that OKCupid supports the LGBTQ plus community, including all non-binary and transgender people. And we believe there needs to be more transgender inclusion in advertising and marketing and are so incredibly proud to have worked with Dylan last year in 2022. But in regards to everything we've done during the pandemic, there hasn't been a lot of pushback because we know who our audience is our users tend to be more progressive. There are a lot of Gen Zers. There are a lot of millennials. These are very progressive, left-leaning, liberal generations. And a lot of our users tend to reside in large metropolitan areas. 
So we know that when we launch a Black Lives Matter badge or a climate change advocate badge or a I'm vaccinated profile badge, it's going to resonate with our users because we know our target so well. So we've gotten a lot of really positive feedback from a lot of the work we've done. I will say there was a campaign we launched during the pandemic that angered some conservatives for sure. In fact, Sean Hannity on Fox News went on a little rant about OkCupid's Subway ad. So not everyone always loves what we do, but the majority do. And we just care about the people on our platform. The rest is just noise that we're going to not listen to. OkCupid okay, user Lauren Steins says she appreciated the app's incorporation of features that asked people about their health and safety protocols. They wear a mask, yeah, which is a really helpful portion of that app because you can just right away see where people land socially and politically and just in general. And as for that fellow with whom she went on that adorable socially distanced second date walking around outdoors... Well, they're still together, too. We live together now. You live together now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. All right. We all have that moment in a long-term relationship where you learn how the other person responds in a crisis, whether it's like a flat tire on a road trip or what have you, some like family mishap. But yeah, we started out in a crisis. So we got to figure out how the other person responds to stress, too. And I think just the nature of experiencing a pandemic in your lifetime, really just buckling down with that other person as a way to survive that crisis. It makes a lot of sense to get real about what you're looking for. And for Michael Kay, the director of brand and communications at OkCupid, Lauren's story also tracks with the data they're seeing. I think the biggest change we're seeing now that we're like slowly coming out of the pandemic is that people have become way more intentional with how they're dating. The pandemic gave all of us, whether we were in a relationship or not, an opportunity to sit back and really reflect on what's important to us when it comes to friendships, when it comes to romantic relationships, when it comes to work. Conversations that we've shied away from in the past, that's not a thing anymore. So an example is we've seen that discussions around mental health have become a huge turn on for daters. More than nine in 10 daters on OkCupid say they're sensitive. And this honesty is really paying off when it comes to dating, especially for men, which historically is a demographic that was a little bit less likely to talk about things like therapy or anxiety or depression. But last year, men who said they were sensitive on OkCupid received 107% more likes and 86% more matches. And they also had 113% more conversations than men who aren't. So See, there you go with that benign peer pressure again. Yeah. <laughs> you know it. No, I love it. I love it. You use the leverage that you have and make society a little bit better in the process. It's important to have these conversations and talking about it normalizes it. And that's really, really important to us. We're also seeing people are just more open about what they want in a relationship. For example, open relationships are no longer taboo. Non-monogamy has been around for centuries, but post-pandemic, young generations are embracing them, which is also helping alleviate the stigma that they once carried. Sex positivity is on the rise sober dating is on the rise. So all the trends we're seeing just makes me really hopeful for this next generation of daters and all the relationships that are forming this year and beyond. So 
It's been a really exciting time, and I'm really hopeful for what life looks like for singles this year. Well, certainly you've been in a position to uh, shape it more than most, and they always say, leave it better for the generation that comes after. And, and certainly I think you've been able to do that in your time at OKCupid. But I have to ask, what about you? Professionally, over the last three years, you have been promoted three times at OKCupid, most recently to Director of Brand and Communications. So congratulations on that. But certainly there are professional lessons from the last three years that you take away from the experience and you'll hold on to for the rest of your career. How can other PR practitioners learn from your experience and implement those lessons going forward? I would say the biggest lesson for me over the past year, for sure, has been to not be afraid to be an expert in one area. So for years on the agency side, I let myself be pigeon held into being an expert in earned media, which is always going to be my favorite part of this job. I absolutely love telling stories. But over the past year, I thought there are so many other ways to tell stories. It's not only via press. And that's actually allowed me to expand my role and absorb influencer marketing and social media. And really that common denominator is still being a storyteller. It's just finding new ways to tell stories and new ways to create content. So don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and try something new. It could be extremely beneficial and it doesn't mean you have to leave anything behind. Well, Michael Kay, Director of Brand and Communications for OKCupid, I've certainly learned a lot today. Thank you for joining us on Light Balloon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. The COVID-19 pandemic took a lot away from us. Most importantly, we lost nearly 7 million of our fellow human beings. At least, those are the ones whose governments have been honest in accounting for their loss. More than a million of our fellow Americans are among the dead, a staggering loss. Those numbers would have been several times worse, at least, if not for social distancing, masking, and vaccination efforts. Those efforts undoubtedly saved lives, even if they had their own human costs that we all had to bear. It's been a tough three years for all of us. But looking back now, here from the other side, we find hope, comfort, and maybe even joy in the fact that even in the midst of a deadly pandemic that forced many of us to put our lives on pause, love finds a way. And the human experience keeps evolving. Let me tell you about a girl I matched on OKC. She was smiling in her photos, that's a must for me. After several messages about our top five bands and films and celebrities invited to a dinner party She asked me for a date near her in a North London park I played it cool and said, sure, I'm not to get there So we chatted about childhoods, teenhoods and a postmodern sexually fluid non-normative adulthood Monopoly, swing a bolly, buy or queer, straight or gay Casual hookup, I'm all shook up, unicorns and anarchy We're the generation swiping on Tinder And I haven't even mentioned we were socially distanced Additional thanks to Lauren Steins and Jake Sandvik for sharing their stories of finding love on OkCupid during the pandemic And kudos to them and their significant others for making it work during an otherwise tough, bleak time Thanks as well to London musician Garland Lowe for sharing this delightful little ditty with us for this episode. I honestly cannot imagine a more appropriate soundtrack, but 
Sometimes in the podcast business, kismet strikes. And in this case, the musician himself saw my Twitter post about searching for OkCupid users to interview about their coronavirus dating experiences, and he just linked me to the track. It's called Lover's Lover, and it's available for free at Bandcamp, Spotify, or wherever you stream music. And you can learn more about Garland Lowe at G-A-R-L-E-N-L-O dot com. Myself, I've been singing this tune nonstop in the car. Additional music for this episode by Dr. Delight, cast of characters Fairlight and Tame. Lead Balloon is produced by PodCamp Media, where we provide branded podcast production services for businesses. Our podcast studios are located in the heart of beautiful downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but we work with brands all over North America, podcampmedia.com. I was the producer, story editor, and writer for this episode, and Beatrice Lawrence helped out with dialogue editing, and if I may, as an aside for a moment, Beatrice joined us about a year ago, fresh out of the University of Wisconsin, as our first paid intern here at PodCamp Media, and it's with a bursting proud heart that I'm excited to announce that she has accepted an excellent position as multimedia producer at Wisconsin Public Radio. Congratulations, Beatrice. You've earned it. Please do follow Lead Balloon in Apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Check out PodCamp Media on social. And until the next time, folks, thanks for listening. I'm Dusty Weiss. Casual hookup almost shook up unicorns and anarchy. We're the generation swiping on Tinder. And God, we really hate being socially distanced. She's a lady lover, she's a man lover, she's a lover's lover, whole time. She's a wine lover, she's a cat lover, she's a massage lover, alright. She's a lady lover, she's a man lover, she's a lover's lover, whole time. She's a wine lover, she's a cat lover, she's a massage lover, alright.